0: Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. The day is just like any other day. They're getting closer. They're getting closer to Jerusalem. And she's heard Jesus now say multiple times that he's going to die there. And they're not really quite sure what that means, but she's heard it twice at least now. So she knows it's got to be time. I've got to say something my boys. I want to make sure my boys okay because I'm like every mom. Well, i got to take care of my kids. So as that day continues to go and she's preparing her heart and herself of what am I going to say, how am I going to tell them, how am I going to ask, she watches as the twelve go off and he says for the third time we're getting ready to go into Jerusalem and I'm going to die. And they're going to beat me. As they break, still confused, they're walking around. She decides, this is it. I have to say something now. And she walks up to her boys, James and John, and grabs their hand and just gives them a wink and squeezes and says, I love you. I love you too, Mom. You okay? Yeah, I'm fine. "Would Would you walk? Would you come with me? Yeah, where are we going? As she walks, she sees him. And he knows who she is. That's like, Mom. He's spent time with her. He's watched her sons become something they never thought they could have become in just this short time that he spent with them. And as she gets closer, holding their hands, she in reverence kneels in front of him. And says, I have a favor to ask as a mom. Jesus responds, what is it that you want? can I do for you, Mom? <laughs> They're like letting go of Mom's hand, like, what are you doing? We didn't tell her to go over here. And she asks, would you, would you let my sons sit on the right and the left of you in your kingdom? Would you allow my boys to sit with you in the highest of the highs on the left and the right of your kingdom? And he says, I don't think you know what you're asking. See, Mom, we're like on totally different pages right now um, because you're asking me to, to do something, and I'm not, even in, I'm not even in that. You're trying to figure out right now how to get your boys up. You're trying to figure out how to get there. And right now we're on a different place because I'm walking and headed to a place where I'm coming down. So you're trying to figure out how to get up. I'm coming down. And there's a cup to drink, and I don't think you can drink of that cup. Do you think you can? Well, now the sons are like, hey, what's up? Mom's vouching for us. Yes, we can drink of that cup. I'm ready. Where is it at? Because I would like to sit on the top, on the right, and the left with you. I mean, I know my mom would do that. She'd be like, hey, Jesus, um, can Larry sit on the left, and maybe Jesse sit on the right or something. That would be really great. We'd be like, mom, and then... Okay, yeah, that was a good idea, Mom. Thanks for asking. <laughs> she told you that she does what any mom would do. And he says, No, it's upside down. We're going different directions right now, we're on different paths right now. And so he says, Can you drink the cup? Of course we can. Now, the others that are watching, the other 10 say, Wait a minute, my mom's not here. I didn't know we were going like, to do assigned seats and stuff. They said that was like Southwest. Like, pick your own. Wait a minute. I was not prepared for this moment. Where's my mom? And so in Matthew 20, starting in 24, it says When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with their brothers, They're with the two brothers. And Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. You know how it works. You know that there's bosses and they're the rulers and that that's your job. Everyone just wants to get to the top. But, he says, not so with you. Not so with you. You think you know that you should get to the top. You think you know how to get to the top. You think you know how to be the best. You think you know how to get to the right and to the left. But not so with you. You got it upside down. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be my servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just... As the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and give his life as a ransom for many. Verse 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and give his life as ransom for many. Friends, this morning, right now, right where you're sitting, In this room, would you let the Son of God serve you? Would you let him serve you? This morning, because he came to serve, not to be served. So right now, would you let him serve you? Because I don't think he's here in this room right now looking around saying, Hey, I need you guys to serve me. We just did this worship step. I'm here. You guys are supposed to be serving me now. You know, the way I ought to be served. So go ahead and serve. Do it. Give me glory. Give me praise. Let's do this service thing. Can you serve me? I wonder if the people in this room have what it takes to pull it off to serve me the way I ought to be served. And I think he'd walk in here and say, ah, wait a minute. I think these people need to be served. I think he'd walk in here today and be like, no, no, no. You need to be served. You need to be served. I know if he's looking at me, he knows what I'm made of and what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying to him. He's like, hey, yeah, can you do it? Can you pull it off? And he's like, no, 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 Larry. You need to be served. You need to be served. I, I've, like, learned how to do a lot in life. I've, like, learned how to take care of myself. I've learned how to serve myself. I'm good at it. And I struggle. I struggle a lot of times to let Jesus serve me. So my question to you this morning and all of us, would you let Jesus serve you today? Would you? Would you let Jesus serve you today? And, and for you to, in humility, in your space right now, say, hey, I know you're not going to get a whole lot out of me right now. Uh, you're not going to get that much from me right now if I'm serving you. But in humility, I want to sit here and say, Jesus, yes, please, you serve me. And those who are served, they serve well. And they serve the way service ought to be. And it's all tied up in the gospel. That's what's all tied up in the gospel. And it's upside down, and it's so beautiful that it happens. See, when the gospel happens, something really phenomenal happens, and that's worship. I heard this saying a couple weeks ago the weight of worship is the gospel. The weight of worship is the gospel. Let me explain that to you a little bit. That when the gospel comes and is in your life, nothing else can happen but worship. When you are served, you then can serve. When the gospel happens in your life, nothing else can happen. It equals only worship. When that comes down, worship goes up. So let's talk about what is the gospel. Well, first... What's not the gospel? The gospel is not sin makes you a bad person. That's totally what we think of. When we look around this world, that's what the world has a picture of. Like, well, sin makes you a bad person. That's the gospel. And it's not. The gospel isn't about sin being bad. You know, like I have a lot of conversations. I'm sure you guys have had many conversations too with people. And they're like, well, yeah, you're trying to share the gospel. And you're like, yeah, you need Jesus because he's going to make you good. And your life will get better. And they're going to go. Well, I'm not really that bad of a person. I don't think I've done anything really bad. I'm a pretty good person. I mean, I have a pretty good family. I've made mistakes, but I don't think I really need that. Or I don't know if I really need to go to church because I'm, I'm a pretty good person. And especially for me, that's how the conversation goes. You know, if I have a pastor. I'm like, I'm not that bad of a person. I'm a pretty good person. I don't really need that. Don't really talk to me about that stuff. And that's not what it is. Sin doesn't make us bad. Sin. It's way worse than that. Sin makes us dead. And that's a problem. (laughs) Sin makes us dead spiritually. And that, my friends, is a problem because dead people can't do anything for themselves in their estate. They can't. They're dead. Bad people can go to counseling. Bad people can try to be good, can try to become good. Bad people can get better. Dead people can't do anything. Dead people have a major problem. And here's the thing. Jesus did not leave his throne and glory to come down to make our lives better. He didn't. He took on flesh and blood and human form to bring us from death to life. And that's why Jesus made the journey. From death to life. That's why Jesus made the jury. So that way, when Scripture says, the result of sin is death, and the gift of God is life, we're talking about a miracle. Do you get that? A miracle. How many of you guys have ever seen a miracle? Okay. Most everyone in here, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, has been a part of a miracle. How many of you guys have seen a miracle? Let's talk about it a little more. Let's just work through this for a minute, because that was kind of tough. So, that is a miracle. When the scripture says the result of sin is death, get to the gift of God we're talking about—a miracle—and therefore, here's the deal: let's make a pact to that Northgate or this faith community or anyone or else around here is going to eradicate the phrase "I don't have a good testimony." Let's just get rid of that. That's out of play. I hate that. Don't you? It's so uninspiring. You know, like someone came to church it was really great. And they were, like, they were like a drug dealer, really young. Everyone left them, and they were in prison. And they were like a gangbanger. And then they did all these things, and all of a sudden they found Jesus, and their life flew different, and all these people came to the Lord. And they're like, wow, that's so wonderful. I don't have a testimony. I've been pretty good. What? What do you mean you don't have a testimony? Yeah, I've never been to prison and bang, done stuff. I mean, pretty, I've been pretty faithful to my family, and... I've made some good decisions and stuff. It's been good. What? Okay, that's good, one. But two, that's not your testimony. What is it? Here's what your testimony is. That's just a story, that's part of your life story. But your testimony is I have had something supernatural happen to me. Because of my own sinful choices, I was spiritually dead cut off, dormant, not breathing, can't do nothing to assist or help myself in any way. But the son of God came down to earth from heaven, stood in my place, took my blows, died my death, was buried, then raised to bring me new life. And he brought me back from death to life. I used to be dead, but now I'm alive. Spiritually, I was dead, but now I'm alive. If you have faith in Christ, you have a miraculous, supernatural, God-sized testimony, and you need to back down from, I was never a drug dealer deal. You need to go, oh, my testimony? Oh, yeah, come on, bring it. I'd like to tell you my testimony. I was out, but I'm alive. Because Christ makes people alive when sin has left them dead. That's the gospel. And I'm telling you what, you'll never get over it. You'll never get over it. You know, I used to be like, blah, 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 and then I kind of did this, and then I was over here, and then that was really good. And then I kind of found into the church, and I went there, and I'm kind of doing that thing. And then you're like, no. That's not the, your testimony. The testimony is, a miracle happened to me. A level, walking on water, raised from the dead, feeding 5,000, miracle happened to me. And you never get over it. Ever. Okay. Wow. Wow, you guys just were all part of a miracle. And you're like, oh, man. Thanks for reminding me. Doggone. What are we having for lunch? That's the gospel. Yeah, this stuff's just your story. Turn with me to Ephesians 2. And I want to tell you guys, this is about why, like, when we're standing up here and we're talking to you, talking to you guys and we're giving a message, it, I'm, we're not doing this to make people better. We don't have church so people can be better. We have church so people can be alive. I'm standing up here because I want people to be alive. And I'll tell you what, alive people can be transformed and conformed into something new. But you gotta be alive first. Because being a little bit better and dead is still being a little bit better in dead. <laughs> Ephesians two says this As for you, you were what? Say it with me. As for you, you were dead. you were dead. Get that? <laughs> in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world of the ruler, of the kingdom, of the air, the spirit, who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. That's the bad news. That's bad. But you know the cool thing is when you have bad news and you get good news, it makes the good news really good. When you got really, really bad news, like you were dead... (laughs) And then you get like the good news, it makes that good news even better. It says, but Christ, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy did what he made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That is a beautiful journey from death to the heights with Christ. Now, how did it happen? Well, I'm going to tell you, it didn't happen by propulsion. You know, like we've figured some th- really cool things out. You know, uh, this, just this last weekend, I flew to Arizona and that was crazy in itself, thinking about what we've done with propulsion, especially Caltech, you know, right here in California. The things that we have figured out to do with propulsion. I suddenly was 40,000 feet up in the air flying because I was being pushed along. I went from the ground up NASA, Caltech, they have figured, we have figured out how to get away from Earth's gravity, to leave this atmosphere and get into another from propulsion. I mean, that stuff is really cool, huh? You ever know really thought about Like, wow, look at what we have figured out. We figured out how to drop a, rock, a, a rocket to our back and get on out. We have figured that one out. There is no force of propulsion. That will take us from death to the heights of Christ. We can't do it on our own. And propulsion isn't going to work. As much as we've figured it out, we can only get the main engine cut off and float around. And that's only the part of the expanses of what the universe really is. We can't, though, take ourselves from death to the heights. The only way that that will happen is the opposite. And that's a counterweight. That's a counterweight. So this last week in the office, I spent some extra time looking up, watching videos, and studying uh, elevators. I know. I, mean, I don't know if any of you guys have ever been interested, uh, but I'll tell you about it. It's really actually quite interesting. So uh, I was watching, and, and elevators are really cool. You know, you ever like wondered how you just walk up, and you go ding, and you step in there, and you're like, whoop, and then all of a sudden you're like, really high up in the sky. In California, I think the highest I've been is... Like 26 floors. We don't believe in big buildings here because the ground shakes. So, yeah, it's a totally different story. Like, <laughs> go to Kaiser and it's like three floors. Boop. All right, anyways. <laughs> so, uh, how that happens is, is there's a counterweight. And it's really simple and it's really neat. It's the th- same thing they still use. You have the car, the elevator that you get in. When you push this button, it's, it goes up in a steel... Um, cable and wraps around a motor and when you push that it tells the motor to let it go on the other side and in the shaft on the side uh, in some um, rails is the counterweight which is made up of these huge thick steel plates that weigh just as much as the car, the elevator, plus about half of the maximum occupancy. So when really you push that button it ain't costing any energy or anything. It comes down so you can go up. That counterweight that's heavier than what it's carrying, that car. So, the only reason that something is going up is because that counterweight or something else is coming down. So, this counterweight, something heavier, has to come down for you to go up. Now, this is when, like, studying elevators gets really fun exciting. <laughs> so, something heavier had to come down for us to go up. And it wasn't propulsion. It was a counterweight. The only, you're only going up because something that weighs more than you has come down. And that's the gospel. In the Bible, the root word for glory is weight or to be heavy. It's like 147 times, meaning weight or to be heavy. And when the angels sang, as Jesus was... In a manger in Bethlehem, the glory to the highest was when the weight came down. Something heavier came down so you can go up. You get what I'm saying? A counterweight. A miracle. Something heavier came down so you can go up. And that glory came so we can go up. So when God's saying, I want to lift you up and propulsion's not going to get you there from death to life... I need to give you a counterweight. The only thing that's going to get you from death to life is a counterweight. And I'm going to drop a heavier weight than you to be able to counter all the yuck and the muck. And it's going to be able to lift you up. And here's what's going to happen. So Christ, in His glory, is going to come way down. And in His glory, in His righteousness, in His weightiness... I mean, it weighs more. It weighs more than that. His righteousness weighs more than all our sinfulness, all of our shame, all of our shenanigans, all of our rebellion, our sin, our foolishness. I mean, for all of our lifetime, it weighs more. His righteousness weighs more than our sinfulness. And when the weight came down, it lifted us up. (laughs) Yeah. When the weight came down, it lifted us up. Yeah. The weight came down. First Peter 3.18. Let me just read this to you. For Christ also suffered once for sins. For Christ died for us once and for all. The weight has come down. Say it with me. The weight has come down. Thank you. Yes. Not going to come down. Not should come down. Not might come down. Has come down. One time for all time. A sufficient weight has come down. And it's enough. It's enough for you. It's more than enough for you. It's enough for your family. It's enough for your friends. It's enough for everybody at your work. For everybody you carpool with. It's enough for this church. It's enough for this entire community. It's enough for everyone. It's enough. The righteous for the unrighteous to do what? To bring you to God. He was put to death in body, but made alive in the spirit. So how do you get to God? Easy. Jesus takes you there. So how do you get out of what you're in? Jesus lifts you up of whatever it is you're in. Simple as that. How does he do that? He does that by coming down in the weight of his glory in our place to bring us to God. He finds us wherever we are and lifts us up out of whatever we're in. Praise God. The gospel is about Jesus doing the heavy work necessary to extract us from whatever has tried to take us and take us down. And when that happens, there is always a result. And that's worship. When that weight comes down and is dropped all up in your space there is always a result and that result is worship because when he comes down and you go up, worship goes up with you. That's full of gratitude and thankfulness and praise and glory from the highest. Romans 12 Getting, I'm, I'm getting ready to close here. So Romans 12, 12 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. To translate that, this is your service. This is how you serve. How? You are served. And therefore, you serve. This is your true and proper worship, your true and proper service. You know, I have the privilege and frustration (laughs) of getting to work with a ton of volunteers, and I love it. uh, Because it's what makes like our children's ministry goes. And I'm not a huge fan of getting just volunteers that sign the list, and say, hey, I'm going to come and volunteer. Because volunteers, a lot of times, just be real, don't always just show up. They sign the list. <laughs> they say they're going to come, um, but they're chaperones, not shepherds. I, I love and want people that have had the, the weight of the gospel drop all up in their grill, who, who's, who is served, and therefore served the way it ought to be that's our that's our true and proper worship is service when the mercy came down the worship went up that's how it's always happens we can have a great band we can have an awesome band up here that can like rock it out man we can be like singing and the decimals can be pumping and some of us can be complaining it could be like really good but it means nothing if the weight of the gospel has not come down in this place if it has not come down and you have figured out that miracle that just has happened in your life to go up. First Peter, let me finish First Peter 2, 9. You, but you are a chosen people. He chose you. He chose me. We're all laying there dead. It's not, we're dead spiritually. We can't be like, pick me. Look at how I can serve you. No. I choose you. He came down and walked around and said, I choose you i chose you you are a chosen people a royal priesthood you have direct access to the creator the creator of everything and everyone you're a royal priesthood you can talk with him he wants to connect with you how crazy is that But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation who's been set apart. His righteousness for our righteousness. God's special possession. That you may. That you may. Declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That you may. Isn't that cool? You ever had your parents be like, Can I be, can I do this? And you're like, sounds so entitled. May I? Somebody says, may I? You're like, oh, you may. That you may. <laughs> we may. We're, we're God's chosen people. We're his, his royal priesthood, his holy nation. His special position, that possession, that we may. We may worship the holy living God. We may allow his weight to come down to lift us up. We may be alive with him. That's the gospel. We may. So you may. You may. You ever just thought about how God served you? Uh, I got this idea from a guy I heard a couple weeks ago. and. Uh, I, I was like, golly, do I really got to write this down? It's going to take me forever. Can I just say it? Like, every, how, you, how have you, God, how have you served me? Like, it was uh, really kind of freaking me out. <laughs> There's so much stuff I can think of. I just want to give you a few. You served me when you dreamed me up. God, you served me when you spent divine time crafting and creating me. You served me by wiring me up with unique gifts and humor." You served me by charting out a course in my life. You served me by springing into action when I rebelled against you. God, you served me by not turning away from me. You served me by never turning away from me. You served me by looking across the gap of heaven to me and saying yes. Today, today you served me, Jesus, by praying for me today, Today you serve me, Jesus, by vouching for me before God today. Friends, He serves us until the end. He serves you by never leaving you. He serves you by never forsaking you. He serves you by helping you and giving himself to you. So my question would you let would you let him serve you today? Would you let, and just in your space, in your own little spot, let him serve you today? What is it that you really want God to lift you up out of? I'm going to ask you guys to posture with me. I'd be a little comfortable. You, know, you can sit there. I want you to go like this, just in your own little spot. It's just you in your own space. See, this is, this is a posture of surrender, but yet Receiving. Your hands are open to receive. God, would you serve me today? Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.